Hi friends. Unfortunately, I am sick, as you can tell my, by my voice. Um, so I was not able to record um, more. So we're going to have a short one for this episode. And I will not be able to record anything until my voice is completely healed. Um, I hope you enjoy. And thanks for listening. Bye. Hey guys, uh, so this week I've decided that I was going to record in my vehicle as everybody has decided in my house to lose their mind and be loud. Fun fact, I'm also a little bit hoarse. Um, I'm not feeling very good, so that's why my voice is a little bit deeper. But most importantly, the nice little sprinkling, I don't know how to call it, sound is because it's raining very lightly and you guys can hear it um, because I'm recording in my vehicle. So enjoy the nice little background noise that unfortunately I can't do anything about. But trust me, it is way better than my kids screaming and my dogs screaming, <laughs> barking and my birds going off. And so yeah. Uh, thanks for listening and see you later. Sunday, December 7th. Just got back from dinner at Grandmare's. All of my efforts to get out of having to go, even my pointing out that I'm currently suffering from a perforated tongue, were in vain. And this one was even worse than usual. That's because Grandmare wanted to go over my itinerary for my trip to Genovia, which, by the way, looks like this. Sunday, December 21st, 3 p.m., arrive in Genovia. 3 p.m., 3.30 p.m. to 5 p.m., meet and greet palace staff. 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., tour of palace. 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., change for dinner. 8 p.m. to 11 p.m., dinner with Genovian dignitaries. Monday, December 22nd, 8 a.m. to 9.30 a.m., breakfast with Genovian public officials. 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m., Tour of Genovian Public Schools, 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Meet with Genovian school children, 1.30 p.m. to 3 p.m. Lunch with members of Genovian Teachers Association, 3.30 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. Tour of Port of Genovia and Genovian Naval Cruiser, the Prince Philippe, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Tour of Genovian General Hospital, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Visit with hospital patients, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., change for dinner. 8 p.m. to 11 p.m., dinner with the Dowager Princess, Prince, and Genovian military advisors. Tuesdays, December 23rd, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., breakfast with members of Genovian Olive Growers Association. 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., Christmas tree lighting ceremony, Genovian Palace Courtyard. 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m., Meet with Genovian Historical Society. 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Lunch with Genovian Board of Tourism. 3.30 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. Tour of Genovian National Art Museum. 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Visit Genovian War Veterans Memorial. Place flowers on grave of unknown soldier. 7.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Change for dinner. 8.30 p.m. to 11.30 p.m. Dinner with Royal Family of Monaco. And so on. It all culminates in my appearance on my dad's annual nationally televised Christmas Eve ad address to the people of Genovia. 
during which he will introduce me to the populace. I am then supposed to make a speech about how thrilled I am to be Dad's heir and how I promise to try to do as good a job as he did, as he has at leading the Genovia into the 21st century. Nervous? Me? About going on TV and promising 50,000 people that I won't let their country down? Nah, not me. I just want to throw up every single time I think about it, that's all. Whatever. Not that I thought my trip to Genovia was going to be like going to Disneyland, but still, you'd think they have scheduled in some fun time. I'm not even asking for Mr. Toad's wild ride. Just like some swimming or horseback riding. But apparently there is no time for fun in Genovia. As if going over my itinerary wasn't bad enough, I also had to meet my cousin, Sebastiano. Sebastiano Grimaldi is my dead grandfather's sister's daughter's kid, which I guess actually makes him my cousin a couple of times removed, but not removed enough that if it weren't for me, he wouldn't be inheriting the throne to Genovia. Seriously, if my dad had died without ever having a kid, Sebastiano would be the next prince of Genovia. Maybe that's why my dad, every time he looks at Sebastiano, heaves his big heaves his big shudders. Or maybe it's just because my dad feels about Sebastiano the way I feel about my cousin Hank. I like him in theory, but in actual practice, he kind of bugs me. Sebastiano doesn't bug Grandmere, though. You can tell that Grandmere just loves him, which is really weird because... I always supposed Grandmere wasn't capable of loving anyone. Well, with the exception of Romel, her miniature poodle. But you can tell she totally adores Sebastiano. When she introduced him to me and he bowed with his big flourish and kissed the air above my hand, Grandmere was practically beaming beneath her pink silk turban. Really. I have never seen Grandmere beam before. Glare? Plenty of times, but never beam. Which might be why my dad started chewing the ice in his whiskey and soda in a very irritated manner. Grandma's smile disappeared right away when she heard all that crunching. If you want to chew ice, Philippe, Grandma said coldly, you can go and have your dinner at McDonald's with the rest of the proletariat. My dad stopped chewing his ice. Turns out Grandma brought Sebastiano over from Genovia so that he could design my dress for my nationally televised introduction to my countrymen. Sebastiano is a very up-and-coming fashion designer, at least according to Grandmere. She says it is important that Genovian, that Genovia supports its artists and craftspeople, or they will all flee to New York, or even worse, Los Angeles. Which is too bad for Sebastiano, since he looks like the type who might really enjoy living life in L.A., He's sturdy-ish, with long dark hair tied back in a ponytail, and is all tall and dark and flamboyant-looking. Like, for instance, tonight, instead of a tie, Sebastiano is wearing a white silk ascot, and he had on blue velvet jacket with leather pants. I am fully prepared to forgive Sebastiano for the leather pants, if he designs me a dress that's nice enough. A dress that, should he happen to see me in it, will make will make Michael Moskowitz forget all about Judy Greshner and her fruit flies and fill his head with nothing but thoughts of me, Mia Thermopolis.
Only, of course, the chances of Michael ever actually seeing me in this dress are very slim. As in my introduction to the Genovian people, is only going to be in Genovian television, not CNN or anything. Still, Sebastiano seemed ready to rise to the challenge. After dinner, he even took out a pen and began sketching right on the white tablecloth. At the sign, he thought might accentuate what he calls my narrow waist and long legs. Only, unlike my dad, who was born and raised in Genovia but speaks fluent English, Sebastiano doesn't have a real keen grasp of the language. He kept forgetting the second syllable of words, so narrow became nar, just like coffee became cough. And when he described something as magical, he came out as madge. Even the butter wasn't safe. When Sebastiano asked me to please pass him the butt, I had to practically, practically stuff my napkin in my mouth to keep from laughing out loud. All my efforts to stifle my laughter didn't do any good, though, since Grandmere caught me and, raising one of her drawn eyebrows, went, Amelia, kindly do not make light of other people's speech habits. Your own are not even remotely perfect. Which is certainly true, considering the fact that with my swollen tongue, I can't really say any words that start with the letter S. Not only did Grandmere not mind Sebastiano saying the word but at dinner, she didn't mind him drawing on the tablecloth either. She looked down at his sketch and said, Brilliant, simply brilliant, as usual. Sebastiano looked very pleased. Do you really think so? he asked. Only I didn't think his sketch was so brilliant. It just looked like an ordinary dress to me. Certainly nothing to make anyone forget the fact that I'm about as likely to clone a fruit fly as I am to use animal-tested hair products. Um, I said, can't you make it a little more, I don't know, sexy? Grandmere and Sebastiano exchanged looks. Sexy? Grandmere echoed with an evil laugh. How? By making it lower cut, but you haven't got anything there to show. Now seriously, I would expect to hear this kind of thing from cheerleaders at school who have made the meaning, who have made the meaning to other people, especially me, sort of a new Olympic sport. But what kind of person says things like this to her only grandchild? I had meant, of course, of course a side slit or maybe some fringe. I wasn't asking for anything Jennifer Lopez-ish. But trust Grandmere to turn it into something like that. Why do I have to be cursed with a grandmother who shaves off her eyebrows and seems to enjoy making light of my inadequacies? Why can't I just have a normal grandmother who bakes me cookies and can't stop bragging to her friends in her bridge club about how wonderful I am? It was a while Grandmere and Sebastiano were cackling to themselves over this great witticism at my expense that my dad abruptly got up and left the table, saying he had to make a call. I suppose it's very it's every man for himself where Grandmere is concerned, but you would think my own father would stick up for me once in a while. I don't know. Maybe I was feeling odd about the giant hole in my tongue, which doesn't even have a nice hypoallergenic stud in it 
so I can pretend to have done it on purpose to be controversial. I sat there listening to Grandmere and Sebastiano chatter away about how pathetic it was that I would never be able to wear anything strapless unless some sort of miracle of nature occurred one night and that inflated me from a 32A to a 34C. And I couldn't help thinking that, probably given my luck, it will turn out that Sebastiano isn't in town just to design me a dress for my royal introduction, but to kill me so that he can assume the throne of, G of Genovia for himself. Or, as Sebastiano would say, as the throne. Seriously, that kind of stuff happens on Baywatch all the time. You wouldn't believe the number of royal family members Mitch has had to save from assassination. Like, supposing I put on a dress that Sebastiano has assigned for me to wear when I'm introduced to the people of Genovia, and it ends up squeezing me to death, just like that corset Snow White puts on in the original version of the story by the Brothers Grimm. You know, the part they left out of the Disney movie because it was too gruesome. Anyway, what if the dress squeezes me to death, and then I'm lying in my coffin, looking all pale and queenly, and Michael comes into my funeral and ends up gazing down at me and doesn't realize until right then that he has always loved me. Then he'll have to break up with Judy Greshner. Hey, it could happen. Okay, well, probably not, but thinking about that was better than listening to Grandmare and Sebastiano talk all about me as if I wasn't even there. Seriously, I was roused from my pleasant little fantasy about Michael pining for me for the rest of his life by Sebastiano saying suddenly, She has but bone struck, which when I realized I was a she he was referring to, I took to be a compliment about my bone structure. Only a second later, it wasn't such a compliment when he went, I put makeup on her that make her look like a mod, implying I don't look like a model without makeup. Although, of course, I don't. Grandmere certainly wasn't about to come to my defense, however. She was feeding bits of her leftover veal marsala to Romel, who was sitting on her lap, shivering as usual, since all of his fur had fallen out during to canine allergies. I wouldn't count on her father letting you, she said to Sebastiano. Philippe is hopelessly old-fashioned, which is so the pot calling the kettle black. I mean, Grandmare still thinks that cats go around trying to suck the breath out of their owner while they're sleeping. Seriously, she's always trying to convince me to give Fat Louie away. So, well, Grandmare was going on about how old-fashioned her, her son is, I got up and joined him on the balcony. He was checking his messages on his cell phone. He's supposed to play racquetball tomorrow with the, prince, with the Prime Minister of France, who is in town for the same summit as the Emperor of Japan. Mia, he said when he saw me, what are you doing out here? It's freezing. Go back inside. I will in a minute, I said. I stood there next to him and looked out over the city. It really is kind of awe-inspiring, the view of Manhattan from the penthouse of the Plaza Hotel. I mean, you look at all those lights in all those windows, and you think, for each light, there's probably at least one person but maybe even more, maybe even like ten people. And that's, well, pretty mind-boggling. I've lived in, lived in Manhattan my whole life, but it still impresses me. 
Anyway, while I was standing there looking all at all the lights, I suddenly realized that one of them probably belonged to Judy Greshner. Judith was probably sitting in her room right this moment, cloning some new, something new, a pigeon or whatever. I got yet another flashback of her and Michael looking down at me after I split open my tongue. Hmm, let me see. Girl who can clone things or who can bite her own tongue? I don't know. Who would you choose? My dad must have noticed something was wrong since he went, Look, I know Sebastiano is a bit much, but just put up with him for the next couple of weeks for my sake. I wasn't thinking about Sebastiano, I said sadly. My dad made this grunting noise, but he made no move to go back inside. Even though it was about 40 degrees out there, and my dad, well, he's completely bald. I could see that the tips of his ears were getting red with cold, but still, he didn't budge. He didn't even have a coat on, just another one of his charcoal gray Armani suits. I figured this was invitation enough to go on. You see, ordinarily, my dad is not who I would go to first if I had a problem. Not that we're not close, it's just that, you know, he's a guy. On the other hand, he's had lots of experience in the romance department, so I figured he might just be able to offer some insight into this particular dilemma. Dad, I said, what do you do if you like someone but they don't, you know, know it? My dad went, if Kenny doesn't know you like him by now, then I'm afraid he's never going to get the message. Haven't you been out with him every weekend since Halloween? This is a problem with having a bodyguard who is on your father's payroll. All of your personal business totally gets discussed behind your back. I'm not talking about Kenny, Dad. I said, it's someone else. Only, like I said, he doesn't know I like him. What's wrong with Kenny? My dad wanted to know. I like Kenny. Of course my dad likes Kenny, because the chances of me and Kenny ever getting past first base are like nil. What father doesn't want his teenage daughter to date a guy like that? But if my dad has any serious hope of keeping the Genovian throne in the hands of the Rinaldos and not allowing it to sleep into Sebastiano's control, he had better get over the whole Kenny thing, because I'm pretty sure that Kenny and I will not be doing any procreating. In this lifetime, anyway. Dad? I said, forget Kenny, okay? Kenny and I are just friends. I'm talking about someone else. My dad was looking over the side of the balcony railing like he wanted to spit. Not that he would ever. I don't think. Do I know him? This someone else, I mean? I hesitated. I've never really admitted to anyone out loud that I have a crush on Michael. Really, not to anybody. I mean, who could I tell? Lily would just make fun of me, or worse, tell Michael. And Mom? Well, she got her own problems. It, it's Lily's brother? I said in a rush, just to get it over with. My dad looked alarmed. Isn't he in college? Not yet, I said. He's going in the fall. When he still looked alarmed, I said, Don't worry, Dad. I don't stand a chance. Michael is very smart. 
Kate never liked somebody like me. Then my dad got all offended. It was like he couldn't figure out which to be. Worried about me liking a senior or angry that a senior didn't like me back. What do you mean he's never going to like you? He's never going to like somebody like you. What's wrong with you? Duh, Dad, I said. I practically flunked algebra, remember? Michael is going to an Ivy League school in the fall for crying out loud. What would he want with a girl like me? Now my dad was really annoyed. You may take after your mother as far as your aptitude with numbers is concerned, but you take after me in every other respect. This was surprising to hear. I still got my chin and tried to believe it. Yeah, I said. You and I, Mia, are not unintelligent, my dad went on. If you want this Michael fellow, you must let him know it. You think I should just go up to him and be like, Hey, I like you. My dad shook his head in disgust. No, 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 he said. Of course you must be more subtle than that. Telling? Tell him by showing him how you feel. Oh, I said. I may take after my father in every respect except my math attitude. Aptitude. But I had no idea what he was talking about. We better get back in, my father said, or your grandmother will suspect of, of plotting against her. So what else is new? Grandma is always suspecting somebody of plotting something against her. She thinks the launderers at the plaza are plotting against her. She blames the soap they use on their linens for making all of Rommel's fur fall out. Reminded of plots, I asked my dad. Do you think Sebastiano's plotting to kill me so he can ascend the throne himself? Dad, my dad made a strangle noise, but he managed not to burst out laughing. I guess that wouldn't have seemed very princely. No, Mia, he said. I do not. But my dad, he really doesn't have much of an imagination. I've decided to stay on alert about Sebastiano, just in case. My mom just poked her head into my room to say that Kenny's on the phone for me. I suppose he wants to ask me to the non-denominational winter dance. Really, it's about time. Sunday, December 7th, 11 p.m. Okay, I am in shock. Kenny so did not ask me to the non-denominational winter dance. Instead, this is how our conversation went. Me. Hello? Kenny. Hi, Mia. It's Kenny. Me. Oh, hi, Kenny. What's the matter? Kenny sounded funny, which is why I asked. Kenny, well, I just wanted to see if you were okay. I mean, if your tongue was okay. Me, it's a little better, I guess. Kenny, because I was really worried, you know, I really, really didn't mean to. Me, Kenny, I know, it was just an accident. This is when I started realizing I asked my dad the wrong question. I should have asked him what's the best way to break up with somebody... Not what's the best way to let somebody know you like them. Anyway, to get back to what Kenny said. Kenny, well, I just wanted to call and wish you a good night and and say that I hope you feel better and also to let you know, well, Mia, that I love you. Me. I didn't say anything right away because 
I was completely freaked out. It wasn't exactly as if it happened out of the blue, because we are sort of going out, after all. But still, what kind of guy calls a girl on the phone and says, I love you? Except for weirdo psycho stalkers. And Kenny's not a weird psycho stalker. He's just Kenny. So what's he doing calling me on the phone and telling me he loves me? And then, brilliant me, here's what I do, because he was still on the phone, waiting for an answer and all. So I go, me. Um, okay. Um, okay. A boy says he loves me, and this is how I respond. Um, okay. Oh, yeah, good thing my future career lies in the diplomatic corps. So then poor Kenny, he's like waiting for some sort of response other than, um, okay, as anybody would. But I am perfectly incapable of giving him one. Instead, I just go, me. Well, see you tomorrow. And I hung up. Oh, my God. I am the meanest, most ungrateful girl in the world. After Sebastiano kills me, I'm going to burn in hell. Seriously. To do before leaving for Genovia. Number one. Detailed list for Mom and Mr. G. How to care for Fat Louie while I am away. Two. Stock up on cat food litter. Three. Christmas Hanukkah presents for Mom. Electric breast pump. Check on this. Mr. G. New drumsticks. Dad. Book on vegetani vegetarianism. He should eat better if he wants to keep his cancer in remission. Lily. What she always wants. Blank videotapes for her show. Lars. See if Prada makes a shoulder hol holster that would fit his clock. Kenny. Gloves? Something non-romantic. Fat Louie. Catnip ball. Grandmare. What do you get for the woman who has everything, including an 89-carat sapphire pendant given to her by the Sultan of Brunei? Soap on a rope? Break up. Four. Break up with Kenny. Only how can I? He loves me. But not enough to ask me to the non-denominational winter dance, I've noticed. Monday, December 8th, homeroom. Lily doesn't believe me about Kelly, Kenny calling and saying he loves me. I told her in the car on the way to school this morning. Thank God Michael had a dentist appointment and wasn't there. I would sooner die than discuss my love life in front of him. It's bad enough having to discuss it in front of my bodyguard. If I had to discuss it in front of this person I've been worshipping, worshipping for half of my life, I think I'd probably go completely borderline personality disorder. Anyway, so Lily went, I categorically refuse to believe Kenny would do something like that. Lily, I said, I had to keep my voice down so the driver wouldn't hear. I am dead serious. He told me he loves me. I love you. That's what he said. It was completely random and weird. He probably didn't say that. He probably said something else, and you misunderstood him. Oh, what? I glove you? Well, of course not, Lady said. That doesn't even make any sense. Well, then what? What could Kenny have said that sounded like, I love you, but wasn't I love you? Lily got mad then. She went, you know, you have been acting weird about Kenny for the past month. Since the two of you started going out, practically, I don't know what's wrong with you. All I ever heard was before, why don't I have a boyfriend? How come nobody ever, how come everybody I know has a boyfriend but me? When am I going to get a boyfriend? And now you've got one and you aren't the least bit appreciative of him. Even though what she was saying was true, 
I acted offended because I have been trying really hard not to let the fact that I am not in love with Kenny show. That is so false, I said. I completely appreciate Kenny. Oh yeah? I think the truth of the matter is, you, Mia, simply aren't ready to have a boyfriend. Boy, did I see red after that remark. Me? Not ready to have a boyfriend? Are you kidding? I've been waiting my whole life to have a boyfriend. Well, if that's the true, Lily was looking very superior. Why don't you let him kiss you on the lips? Where did you hear that? I demanded. Kenny told Boris, who of course told me. Oh, great, I said, trying to remain calm. So now our boyfriends are talking about us behind our backs, and you're condoning this? Of course not, Lily said, but I do find it intriguing from a psychological point of view. This is a problem with being best friends with someone whose parents are psychiatrists. Everything you do is interesting to them from a psychological point of view. Where I let anybody kiss me, I exploded, is my business, not yours and not Boris either. Well, Lily said, I'm just saying, if Kenny did say what you said he said, you know, the L word, then maybe he said it because he can't express the depth of his feelings any other way. You know, other than verbally, since you won't let him physically. So I suppose that technically I should be thankful that Kenny chose merely to say the words I love you rather than enacting them physically, which God knows I might have actually involved his tongue. Oh God, I don't even want to think about it anymore. Monday, December 8th, homeroom. They just passed the final exam schedules. Here's mine. Final exam schedule. December 15, reading day. December 16, periods 1 and 2. For me, that means that the algebra and English finals will be on the same day. But that's okay. I'm doing pretty good in English. Well, except for that sentence diagramming thing. As if I'll ever need to do that in my future role as princess of the smallest nation in Europe. Unfortunately, algebra, I am told, I will probably need to know. Damn! December 17, period 3 and 4, World Civ. Easy. I mean, Grandmere has told me enough stories about post-World War II Europe for me to pass any test. I probably know more about it than the teacher. And P.E.? How can you give a final in P.E.? We already had the presidential fitness test. I did okay on everything but the V-sit reach. December 18, periods 5, 6, and 7. Gifted and talented? No exam there. They don't give finals in classes that are basically study hall. That will be a snap. I have French, 6th period. I do okay in oral, not so great in written. Fortunately, Tina's in the same class. Maybe we can study together. But I have bio, 7th period. That won't be so easy. The only reason I'm not flunking bio is because of Kenny. He sleeps with most of the answers. And if I break up with him, that will be the end of that. December 19. Non-denominational winter carnival and dance. The winter carnival should be fun. All the different school clubs and groups are going to have boots with traditional winter fare like hot cider. This will be followed in the evening by the dance. I am supposed to go with Kenny. If he ever asks me to it, I mean... Unless, of course, I do the right thing and break up with him. 
in which case I won't be able to go at all, because you can't go without a date. I wish Sebastiana would just hurry up and off me already. Monday, December 8th, Algebra. Why? Why can't I ever remember my algebra notebook? First, evaluate exponents. Second, multiply and divide in order left to right. Third, perform additional perform addition and subtraction in order left to right. Example, 2 times 3 minus 15 divided by 5 equals 6 minus 3 equals 3. Oh, God. Lana Weinberger just tossed me a note. What now? This can't be good. Lana's had it out for me forever. Don't ask me why. I mean, I could kind of understand her resenting me for when Josh Richter asked me to the cultural diversity dance instead of her, but he only asked me because of the princess thing, and they got back together right after. Besides, Lana hated me long before that. So I opened the note. Here's what it says. I heard what happened to you at the skating rink this weekend. Guess the BF thing is going to have to wait a little longer if he wants to see any tongue action, huh? Oh my god. Does everyone in the entire school know that Kenny and I have not French kissed yet? It's all Kenny's fault, of course. What's next? The cover of the post? I'm telling you, if our parents knew exactly what goes on every day in the typical American high school... They would totally opt for homeschooling. Monday, December 8th, World Civ. It's clear what I have to do. I've always known it, of course. And if it hadn't been for, you know, the dance, I would have done it long before. But it's clear now that I cannot afford to wait until after the dance. I should have done it last night when he called. But you can't really do something like that over the phone. Well, I mean, a girl like Lana Weinberger probably could, but not me. No, I don't think I can put it off another day. I have got to break up with Kenny. I simply cannot continue living this life. Lie. Fortunately, I do have the support of at least one person in this plan. Tina Hakim Baba. I didn't want to tell her. I didn't plan on telling anybody. But it all sort of slipped out today in the girls' room between the second and third period while Tina was putting on her eye makeup. Her dad won't let her wear makeup, you see, so Tina has to wait until she gets to school to put it on. She has a deal with her bodyguard, Wahim. Tina won't tell her parents how much Wahim flirts with Mademoiselle Klein, her French teacher, if Wahim doesn't tell Mr. and Mrs. Hakim Baba about Tina's Maybelline addiction. Anyway, all of a sudden, I just couldn't take it anymore, and I ended up telling Tina what Kenny said last night on the phone. And a lot more than that, actually. But first, the part about Kenny's phone call. Unlike Lily, Tina believed me, but Tina also had the totally wrong reaction. She thought it was great. Oh my god, Mia, you are so lucky, she kept saying. I wish Dave would tell me he loves me. I mean, I know he's fully committed to our relationship, but his idea of romance is paying to have my fries supersized at Mickey D's. This was so not the kind of support I was looking for. But, Tina, I said. I felt Tina, with her extensive reading of romances, would understand. The thing is, I don't love him. Tina widened her mascar mascared eyes 
at me. You don't? No, I said miserably. I mean, I really like him as a friend, but I'm not in love or anything. Not with him. Oh, God, Tina said, reaching out and grabbing my wrist. There's someone else, isn't it? We only had a few minutes before the bell rang. We both had to get to class. And yet, for some reason, I chose this moment to make my big confession. I don't know why. Maybe since I'd already spilled it to my dad, it didn't seem too hard to tell someone else, especially Tina. Also, I can't stop thinking about what my dad said. You know, about showing the guy I like how I feel. Tina, I felt, was the only person I knew who would know how to help me do that. So I went, yes. Tina nearly spilled her cosmetics bag. She was so excited. I knew it, she yelled. I knew there was a reason you wouldn't let him kiss you. My jaw dropped. You know about that, too? Well, Tina shrugged. Kenny told Dave, who told me. Jeez, what's that, what's that Oprah always complaining about? About how men aren't in touch with their emotions and don't share enough? Sounds to me like Kenny's been doing enough sharing recently to make up for several centuries' worth of masculine reticence. So, who is he? Tina asked, all eager as she packed up her eyelash curler and lip liner. The guy you like? I went, it doesn't matter. Besides, the whole thing is completely futile. He sort of has a girlfriend, I think. Tina whipped her head around to look at me making her thick black braid smack her f in the face, which is chubby, but in a good way. It's Michael, isn't it? She demanded, grabbing my arm again. She was holding on so tight it hurt. My instinct, of course, was to deny it. In fact, I even opened my mouth, all set to have the no come out of it. But then I was like, why? Why should I deny it to Tina? Tina wouldn't tell anyone, and Tina might be able to help me. So instead of saying no, I took a deep breath and said, If you tell anyone, I'll kill you. Do you understand? Kill you. Tina did a strange thing then. She let go of my arm and started jumping up and down in a circle. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, she said as she jumped. Then she stopped jumping and grabbed my arm again. Oh, Mia, I always thought you two would look and make the cutest couple. I mean, I like Kenny and all, but... He's, you know, she wrinkled her nose, not Michael. If I had thought I, it felt strange last night telling my dad the truth about my feelings for Michael, that was nothing, nothing compared to how it felt to be telling someone my own age. The fact that Tina hadn't burst out laughing or gone, yeah, right, in a sarcastic way, meant more to me than anyone could ever expect. And the fact that she seemed to understand, even applaud, my feelings for Michael made me want to fling my arms around her and give her a great big hug. Only, there was no time for that, since the bell was about to ring. Instead, I gushed, Really? You really don't think it's stupid? Duh, Tina said. Michael is hot, and, he, and he's a senior. Then she looked troubled. But what about Kenny and Judith? I know, I said, my shoulders slumping in a manner that would have caused Granmere to wrap me on the back of the head if she, if she hadn't seen them. 
Tina, I don't know what to do. Tina's dark eyebrows furred with concentration. I think I read a book where this happened once, she said. Listen to my heart, it was called, I think. If I could just remember how they resolved everything. But before she could remember, the bell rang. We were both totally late for class. But if you ask me, it was worth it. Because now at least I don't have to worry alone. I have somebody else worrying with me.